removing the root of bitterness. What on earth is all that about? What is the root of bitterness? Well, in Hebrews 12, 4 to 15, it says, pursue peace with all people and holiness. That's the important part of the verse to me. Pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. You know, if you've ever tried to get rid of weeds in, in, in your lawn or garden, you know what the big problem is, that you pull them out and everything really looks good for a while, but before long, the unwanted growth returns because the roots are still there. Charles Stanley says, an unforgiving spirit is like a branch Branch, uh, like, is like a root branching out in all directions, affecting every area of our life. Topping up the leaves by repressing the pain and resentment. Lopping off the leaves by repressing the pain and resentment isn't a long-term solution because like a weed, bitterness can continue to grow and reproduce as long as the roots are in place. You know, when, when we've been deeply hurt, and everyone is hurt or offended at some point in time in their life, we sometimes resist offering forgiveness, thinking that a pardon excuses the wrongdoer and downplays the severity of the wrong done to us. But that's not what forgiveness is. It's letting go of both the offence and our right to demand payment. I'm going to repeat that. Forgiveness is letting go of both the offence and our right to demand payment with the acknowledgement that vengeance is God's responsibility, not ours. Romans 12, 17, 21, repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you'll heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. When I was researching this subject, I came across an article by Pastor Duke Taber, T-A-B-E-R, who currently is leading the Vineyard Church in San Carlos, California. And he specialises in going to churches and healing hurt churches and hurt people in churches and bringing revival, renewal and restoration. So I thought, well, this guy might have something to say on the subject, and he did. He says that Jesus flat out told us that offences would come. 
That's in Luke 17.1. Offences are, are going to come. Jesus was an offence to many. He was a stumbling block. So offences will come. We will be offended. So the question is how do we deal with them and not allow bitterness to set in? Pastor Duke tells us that bitterness is the emotional state where a person is hurting and angry and they want everyone else to feel the pain that they are feeling. It is because of that need to make people feel their pain that they end up lashing out at everyone else, either passively or aggressively. It's like the person that's been hurt by church people. Does that happen? They more than likely were unjustly hurt, but because they have allowed that hurt and pain to infiltrate their heart, they lash out at all church people or Christians just because they are part of the larger group even though they have never personally did anything to, to hurt them. Instead of going to God and receiving the comfort that is available in him, they refuse to be comforted and still harbour the pain. What do you do when people who are part of the church hurt you? How do you deal with the pain and finding the place of healing? What are you supposed to do? How do you get over the church hurt? Leave the church? Confront the issue? Bury it? Lash out at the person who hurt you? Janet and I were in Omapuri, up in the Hokianga, a couple of days ago. And we had coffee at the landing with Pastor Tony Martin and Sharon, beautiful couple running a small church up there. And I said, There's, it's just a, a small town here, Tony, and it's been going for a very long time. Do you know that it was the first place that Maori ever came to New Zealand, Kupe? He came through the Hokianga Harbour. Did you know that the first missionaries came to the Hokianga? Everyone thinks it was a Waitangi. No, it wasn't. It was Hokianga. It's almost the birthplace of New Zealand. There's something very significant about it. He said, yes, there's a reason for that, that lack of growth, the, some of the people there don't want it to grow. But he said there are a lot of houses up the back and over the hills. But he said there's a lot of Christians here and they're hippies. Very arty-farty and, 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 and green, as it were. And they live up in caravans and, and, and what have you. But they don't come to church. They don't come down to any of the churches. One of the reasons why is that there is a very significant man there that tells them that they don't have to go to church to be a Christian, which is true, but you're gonna your Christianity is going to suffer because of it because you're not fellowshipping together. The Bible says, forsake not the assembling assembly together. So if you're not fellowshipping on a regular basis, you're disobedient to God. And he was hurt 
by a church in Rawini, Rawini. Something happened. I don't know what it was. And so he stomps off and lives his life up in the mountains, going around visiting. Very friendly fellow. Other hippie Christians. And telling them that they don't need to go to church. It's fine just believing in Jesus. Sad. Four principles in overcoming church hurt. This is what this pastor came up with, and we're going to share on that. Taking it, oops, taking it to God in prayer. Take it to God in prayer. Resist the urge to retaliate. Let God be God and do the work you and let God do the work you cannot do. And receive your healing from church hurt and reconciling with the people who hurt you through forgiveness. Now let's expand this out. There are a lot of people who even this year were in this church and have stopped coming to church because they were offended by something or something someone said. Golly gee, I might have offended them. I don't know. Des might have offended them. Although I doubt it. His, wasn't Des's message last Sunday just absolutely on the nail? That taught me a lot. You give towards the Lord and the Lord comes in and empowers it. It was a credible message. And you can get Des's message this afternoon. It's going to be loaded up onto the website. And the website is www realycc.org So several people from this congregation have left and aren't coming back. They've gone wherever they're gone. And I've heard them say they were offended by something somebody said to them. Well, the Bible tells us to take it to God in prayer. When a pastor or a church leader or member hurts you, the first thing you need to do is to take it to God in prayer. Do you remember the old hymn written by Joseph Shriven in 1855? You'll remember uh, Peter called What a Friend We Have in Jesus. Listen to the words of the song. What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace. I can hear my mother singing this. <laughs> Beautiful voice my mother had. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Doesn't that say it all? Oh, what peace we often forfeit. And oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry it to God in prayer. The second point is resist the urge to retaliate. 
You know, don't cause offence by going around telling other people why you got hurt. As much as you might be tempted to gather around supporters for your cause, it's only because it only causes people to take on the offence that was given to you. It is a form of passive retaliation to cause people to take sides and lay blame on the people who have hurt you. If you do decide to confront the person who has hurt you, and sometimes it's scriptural to do that, instead of saying, you hurt my feelings, use this approach instead. When you did this, I felt hurt. Or when you talk to me in a certain way, I feel upset. Take ownership of your feelings. Des was talking about feelings this, this morning. Take ownership of your own feelings. After all, they're your feelings that got hurt, not somebody else's. Own them. It's possible that your offender has no idea that what they said or did hurt you and never meant to hurt you. So if you approach the person in humility, seeking re reconciliation, your offender may be quick to apologise. Wouldn't that be good? I remember in the days of Green Lane Christian Centre many, many years ago, someone saying that they were really hurt by something someone said and prayed that, that God would deal with them. And when they shared this frustration with the pastor, the pastor rebuked the person and said, what you don't know I'm going to share with you is that person you're talking about was up the front the other Sunday morning repenting for their attitude over something. So God has already forgiven them and you haven't forgiven them. Wrong. Get on your knees and repent. God has already forgiven that person. I'll never forget that. Let God be God and do the work you cannot do. You know, part of being a spirit-filled Christian is to be led by the Holy Spirit. Look at 1 Peter 4, 7 to 8. But the end of all things is at hand. That's a really significant statement. Therefore be serious and watchful in your prayers and above all things have fervent love one for another for love will cover a multitude of sins. So if someone offends us or hurts us and it may have happened, if we forgive them and love them, it covers their sin. Many times God will lead us to confront every hurt. One of the signs of maturity is not to take offence easily. I like to boast a little bit. We shouldn't really boast. But apparently I offend a lot of people at different times. But and they could say something, something to me in that but it's like water off a duck's back. I don't take offence. So you can all 
walk out right now. <laughs> and I'm going to keep preaching. And I'm going to enjoy preaching. Because God gave me this word this morning. So for those of you that are listening to this, keep listening. And it could be that the Lord is trying to give you a thicker hide and not be so quick to take offence. Healing from church and reconciling with the people who hurt you through forgiveness. There's the action point. Forgiveness is not for the other person. It's for you. Forgiveness doesn't justify what someone did that what someone did was wrong, that was wrong. Nor does it necessarily mean that the relationship goes right back to where it was. But if you do not forgive, you allow the opening for a root of bitterness to grow in your heart. And that bitterness will eventually cause you to react or behave in waves that will end up hurting others. It will also pollute the wells of salvation in your soul. It will cause your worship, spiritual gifting, and your spiritual perceptions to become tainted. That is why Jesus made it clear that if you have ought against someone, to leave our gift at the altar and be reconciled to our brother first. When we do not forgive, we block healing and enable torment. I've taught about the fact that forgiveness, unforgiveness, leads to torment. Torment. That's what the Bible says. Matthew 18. You can read it for yourself. The end of the chapter. As long as you hold on to unforgiveness, you will hold on to woundedness. And those wounds in your heart will continue to torment your mind and soul day after day, year after year, sometimes for the rest of your life. I've told this story before, but I feel to say it again. When I was at a meeting in Taupo, Bill Spritsky, we invited him to come down to speak there. And I was part of the Four Gospel Businessmen, and we were in the counselling line. And we're walking along, catching the people as Bill prayed for them. And a lady came out who was so bent down, she could almost touch the floor. And that's how she had to walk. And as Bill came along the line, he came up to her and said, My God, woman, how many people do you hate? I thought, cheapest, that's not a very loving thing to say. He said, I'm going to keep on praying for the people down the line. You start forgiving the people that you hate. And we'll see what happens, and I might pray for you. Oh boy, what a heavy word. Do you know that by the time he'd come, up, come back, she had got to this position. And Bill said, good on you girl, keep going. And he kept on praying for other people. Then he came back, and by this time she was erect. And she had some joy on her face. And he was delighted to pray for her and to bless her. Word of knowledge was she hated a lot of people. That hatred had caused that deformity. That was a lesson to learn. The way to find the power to forgive those who have hurt you in the church 
is to remember you are a recipient of forgiveness yourself. How can I preach about unforgiveness or tell people that you need to forgive? What about me? Have I got unforgiveness in me? How dare I say anything? Well, when I was down in um, Tauranga two or three weeks ago at a Pearl's Hui, a lovely lady gave her testimony and she spoke on unforgiveness. And her mother-in-law did not want her son to marry her and caused a huge amount of trouble over that marriage and was a real thorn in her side and it wounded her and hurt her deeply. She went to Los Angeles where she was ministering to the homeless. Five blocks of homeless people. Imagine Queen Street, that's a block. Imagine five blocks, that's the number of homeless people. And she was ministering, her and her husband were ministering to them. And a lady came up and desperately needed prayer and she found out that a person had, might have been a mother-in-law as well, had been wounding her and hurting her. And so she led her through forgiveness and saw this lady remarkably set free. And then the Lord said to her, if you forgive your mother-in-law, your mother-in-law mightn't treat you any better, but you will be healed and you will be set free. So she practiced putting in putting that into practice, forgiving her mother-in-law, and now she has no ill feeling towards her mother-in-law as well. What her mother-in-law has done and has said doesn't affect her because she's forgiven her. You know, if, if you recognise that you have let previous hurts make you bitter, then do something about it. Oh, I didn't finish my point. That lady was talking about forgiveness and she then asked all of us, bow your heads and ask the Lord, is there anyone in your life you haven't forgiven? And of course I did that. I've done that often. I, kept, I said, Lord, is there anyone that I need to forgive? And different names sort of began to float around, but no, 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 no. And Lord, I can't think of anyone, but I want to be set free myself. And the Lord said to you, Ray, there's nobody you haven't forgiven. Well, that was then. Who knows what's going to happen next month. But I know that I can speak on unforgiveness because there is nobody that I've got unforgiveness towards. And we all need to, to have that in our hearts. No unforgiveness towards anyone. Because we have been... See, I can be forgiven. I, I can forgive... Because Christ has forgiven me for terrible things. He's forgiven me. How dare I not forgive somebody else? Firstly, if a previous hurt has made you bitter, do something about it. Repent to the Lord for your sin. Confess your sin one to another. The Bible says confess your sins one to another and you will be healed. So don't just repent to Jesus. Repent to a fellow believer. Confess the, the sin and let it be dealt with. And you will be healed. 
says to do that in James. And do some study to help you understand what you've been set free from so it doesn't happen again. Bitter free. How to forgive anyone. Resolve conflict and overcome anger. Mark de Jesus. I haven't used any of the notes from this book, but it is a marvellous book. And I didn't use any, note, any notes from it because someone might be offended that we've gone over lunch and you'll miss your roast dinner. You can borrow that from me or you can get it on Amazon. It is a beautiful, beautiful understanding of the need to, be, to forgive. And if um, you do read that book, I can tell you now, there won't be any unforgiveness left in your life. Now just to be different, before I invite anyone to come forward for prayer if they'd like to, I'd like to share a different understanding of the root of bitterness that I came across on Saturday. There's a very well-known Bible teacher called John Piper. He's the senior pastor of Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota, where he ministered for almost 33 years. And he asked the question of the Lord, where did this root of bitterness come from? Where did that image of a root of bitterness in the Bible and he studied the word and he found that it came from Deuteronomy 29. Let's have a look at Deuteronomy 29. Beware lest there be among you, listen carefully, beware lest there be among you a man or woman or family or tribe whose heart turns away this day from the Lord our God to go and serve the gods of the nations, lest there be among you a root-bearing, poisonous and bitter fruit. That's where Hebrews got it from, the writer of Hebrews. The key question then is, what is this root that causes deadly, bitter fruit to sprout in the church? The next verse in Deuteronomy 29 gives the surprising answer. But it fits perfectly with the book of Hebrews. Deuteronomy 29 verse 18 ends, Lest there be among you a root bearing poisonous and bitter fruit. Then verse 19 begins by defining this root. One who, when he hears the words of the sworn covenant, blesses himself in his heart saying, I shall be safe, though I walk in the stubbornness of my heart. What does that mean? What then is the root that brings forth the bitter fruit? John Piper says it is a person who has a wrong view of eternal security. He feels secure when he is not secure. He says, I shall be safe though I walk in the stubbornness of my heart. He misunderstands the covenant God makes. He thinks that because he is part of the Christian people, he is secure from God's judgment. Now this kind of presumption is what the book of Hebrews deals with repeatedly, if you're familiar with Hebrews. 
professing Christians who think they are secure because of some past spiritual experience or some present association with Christian people. The aim of Hebrews is to cure Christians of presumption and to cultivate earnest perseverance in faith and holiness. At least four times it warns us that we must not neglect our great salvation, but be vigilant to fight the fight of faith every day, lest we become hardened and fall away and prove that we had no share in Christ. Now, I'm not preaching legalism here. I'm preaching what we were singing about today. This is my desire to honour you, Lord. With all my heart, I worship you. Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my soul. Everything that I take, every breath that I take, have your way in me. Let's look at the, the, the verse, Hebrew twelve fifteen. the first verse we looked at. Hebrews twelve fourteen. Pursue peace with all people and holiness. God doesn't tell us to put up our hand at a Billy Graham meeting and accept Jesus Christ as our saviour. Then come along to church over the years and smile at everybody and assume that when the Lord comes, we're going to go with him. Because I tell you this, when the Lord next comes, he's not coming with a bunch of pansies in his hand and some flowers to wave at you. The Lord Jesus is coming with a sword in his hand and he's riding on a charger and he's coming for judgment. We are called to receive the grace of God and the love of God and receive salvation. And when we have received salvation, we are then called to follow the Lord and to obey him, to reach out to others, to care for others, to have love in our heart. Some men I know come to church and they have been in the counselling teams that I've been in charge of in Auckland. But they've got immorality in their lives. Or they treat their wives and their children in a shocking way. Only God knows. But when Jesus comes... Will they go and be with him? This morning, as I was pondering this word, because this is a deep, very deep word. In fact, let's summarise. There are two meanings of the root of bitterness. Where an offence hasn't been forgiven and a root of bitterness has formed in our lives, that's one root of bitterness. And the secondly... Any one of us could become a root of bitterness ourselves. Not persevering in faith and holiness, 
thinking we are secure in the Lord when in fact we are relying on an intellectual faith and not putting our faith into action. Folk, we need to ask the Lord about these things. Facebook message this morning, out of the blue, started telling a story that there was this young woman who'd committed a lot of crimes and she stood before the judge and she was weeping and weeping because she was about to get a severe prison sentence. And the defence lawyer got to his feet and launched into an appeal before the judge, asking him to rescue this woman, that if she goes to prison, her life is finished, and to give her a chance. And the judge relented and gave her a chance. Not long after that, the woman committed a whole series of crimes again. And she was put back in front of the judge. But who was the judge this time? It was the lawyer that she had. She thought, oh, I'll be safe. But the judge said, when I was your lawyer, I did what I could to set you free. Now I am your judge. I am required to punish you for what you have done. Jesus is our lawyer. He goes to the Father for us all the time. And we all sin. The Bible says if, you're not a, if you say you don't sin, you're a liar. And we all sin. We need Jesus to go before the Lord. And we need to seek his forgiveness. Because one day we're going to face Jesus as the judge. Let's all just stand and pray. This is the prayer I want you to pray. Lord, is there anyone in my life that I need to forgive? You pray that to the Lord and wait to hear what he tells you. Lord, is there anyone in my life that I need to forgive? Then secondly, ask him, are there any areas in my life that I need to put right so that I can serve you more diligently and faithfully? God loves us so much that he will forgive us for any sin but we need to know his forgiveness and we need to forgive others and if we aren't seeking holiness and seeking to hear the Lord and do what he says we could be in trouble And we need to do something about it. We need to commit ourselves to the Lord Jesus Christ and serve him as he directs us to.